trust in money remains the bedrock of stability. The soul of money is trust. I, I think we are not paying sufficient attention to the law of unintended consequences. In the immortal words of the doors, the time to hesitate is through. Atlas, what's happening, man? How you going? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I um, recording another episode of Discovering Bitcoin, and um, appreciative of the fact that you're spending your scarce time, finite energy, telling me the tale of how you discovered Bitcoin. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, the scarcest asset we have. Yes, time. Absolutely. Time's one of those things that constantly rattles around in my brain in regards to trying to comprehend it, you know. Um, been diving deep into some, uh, I wouldn't say too deep because it's really hard to, to, to listen to, uh, to read, sorry, and, and to listen to if you listen to the audio versions, but um, Heidegger, and he's got a book called Being in Time. Eric Kaysan put me onto him. And I've heard it around the traps and everything, but yeah, his concept of time and how he thinks about it's pretty, pretty wild. I just don't like wasting time. I think is 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 the main thing, and and so therefore, when people spend their time with me, I'm very mindful not to waste it. So, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on the call, and you know, yeah, I I got uh, Safer Dean's latest latest book, the um, oh, what's it called? Principles it's, of Economics. Uh, economics. That's yep. it, yeah. And, yeah, it's a great, great book, but he talks about time. And uh. he said there's no solution to the time problem. Um, like that's what Keynes thought he could do with all his magic economic theories and everything. Right. He thought he could fix the problem of time, but <laughs> it it's unfixable. No matter how much wealth you have, you still have to choose one thing over the other. That's it. It's you, the, the level always going to die. That's yeah, it. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. You're, uh, I mean, you, you hear those people trying to figure out ways to, you know, put their heads in jars or whatever it is. Um, you know, that transhumanism stuff, which is, yeah. yeah, good luck to you. I mean, personally, I can't really imagine wanting to live forever because it's the mere fact that you have limited time that compels you to um, take action, be in the moment, create, yeah, well, do. Safer Dean teaches that as well. He says scarcity is what makes something valuable. So if you had unlimited time, it wouldn't be scarce, therefore it wouldn't be valuable. Exactly. And then there's no real compulsion to do anything because you could do it yeah. tomorrow. I guess. How did you discover Bitcoin? Uh, it was an off-the-cuff comment by somebody. Um, they weren't a Bitcoiner. They 
but they were lamenting that they hadn't brought Bitcoin hmm. in 2018. And I, I don't remember having um, sort of ever thought about Bitcoin before, and I didn't think much of the comment. But when I got home, I, I pulled up the, the computer and I was like, okay, what, what did he mean? Hmm. And I saw the chart. So it was... 2018, so just after the big ah, yeah. 2017 bull run, mm-hmm. and yeah, my first impression was, oh, what what does that? Like, there's this huge peak, and then just a crash right down, and it's like, oh, I see what it means. Like, we missed it, whatever that was, and yeah, I guess I I was interested. I was like, what what was it? What is it? So I did some Google searching and I ran into Anthony Antonopoulos like his videos and um, ended up getting his books and yeah so that's how I first found out about it and then started my entry into the rabbit hole I guess. It's cool that you entered the rabbit hole via someone who was merely lamenting the fact that they never had Bitcoin or didn't buy Bitcoin when it went up or whatever it was and that they'd never actually been compelled to buy any after, I guess. Maybe they saw the price crash and got scared off. But um, it's cool that that intrigued you. That was your – That was your. Um, was that your first touch point? That I can remember. Wow. Like, so you acted on it straight I away. Well, I racked my mind. I'm like, how could I not have heard of it? Like, where, what was I doing? Yeah. Um, how is it possible that I didn't hear about it till 2018? And I must have, but it it just didn't register as something important. Mm-hmm. But um, it actually took me a little while to remember that moment when I did, when he said that as well. I had to think back and um, recall that out of the depths of my mind. Yeah, right. Wow. I mean, so you go home, you're looking at a chart. Were you familiar with charts and what they convey, the information that they convey with respect to you know, prices appreciating or depreciating or anything like that? Or were you just completely beginner's mind here or? Well, no, I had brought stocks uh, after the 2008 crash. Uh-huh. So I knew what a chart was. Yeah. Um, but I I didn't recognize that pattern. That's, that's just sure. that wild pattern of just parabolic going straight up. Yeah. Yeah, and then crashing back down. That was, yeah, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there's there's a lot of people on the planet that still don't think that's possible. And even though it's happened, what, five times, four times, five times, something to that effect, yeah. you know. There's that really cool video on YouTube of that guy. I don't know when he recorded it. It was probably early 2014 maybe or something where the price just runs up and then it crashes back down and then it and he, he goes from like, you know, a few cents all the way up to a dollar or something and then crash back down. And it's a great video. I'll see if I can put it in the show notes um, for people to check out. But uh, it gives you a nice little historical glimpse at the wildness of these price swings. And I guess you can see yeah. where the FOMO starts. Well, it's not actually a rare pattern, is it? I mean, it's the um, hype cycle, mm-hmm. and it happens in all charts. But um, Bitcoin special, it happens on a schedule. 
Yeah, that's right. And then if you zoom out a little bit further, it um, is it on a log scale where it starts to begin? It begins to look a little like uh, Metcalfe's Law. Is that right? I'm not sure what you mean. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a if you go to um, there's a website. Well, if you just look at the price chart on on pretty much the the entire time of Bitcoin, uh, it those hype cycle. Um, those parabolic runs, they begin they begin to look a little bit diminutive, and effectively the whole uh, chart just goes up and to the right. But in these sorts of um, little waves that kind of do match, I guess the halving cycle. Um, but then it starts, uh, and if you compare that to uh, Metcalfe's law, and I hope I'm not talking out of turn here, running off the top of my head. Um, should just look this up huh it's it's sort of like the medium to long-term price follows Metcalfe's law so um it um was it Metcalfe's law is the value of a network is a function of the number of pairs transactions possible and is proportional uh-huh. to n squared so it, it it basically just looks like a network effect increasing over time as represented by the price chart is my understanding anyway. And if there's anyone listening, screaming at us or screaming at me, <laughs> I'm not going to include you in this. Um, <laughs> you know, send me a, send me a message on fountain cause uh, it'll cost you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but so then, then I ran into the next problem, right? So, um, I guess it doesn't matter where you brought, if you, if you bought the top or if you bought it at the bottom, You've always got an issue because it, it changes, right? It doesn't stay there. It's volatile. So I, I brought what I now know was the bottom of the cycle. Mm-hmm. And what does it do? The price increases from there. And then so your mind works against you. Uh, so I, I, in my mind, it's like oh, now it's expensive. So mm-hmm. I want to buy it. Yeah, like I, I can't buy any more because... And obviously, you, you never buy enough when you first do a purchase. No. Um, yeah, so then I was stuck. But I guess and it, your mind works against you if you buy the top because you, you brought and then the price drops and then you probably just get shaken out or something. Yeah, I've, yeah. I so I remember seeing those charts um, or there's a whole bunch of memes and celebrations in and around when uh, I think it was 2021 when the price went above 20K for the first time and all of those kids that were underwater um, who bought the top in 2017 were sort of rejoicing at the fact that they made it, you know. We hodled for this long. We got here, guys. It's all good, like, you know. Um, and it was, it was just nice to see because, I mean, you buy at the top, it crashes back down. You think you're the dumbest person on the planet. What do you do? You know, do you eat the eat the loss and then walk away, or do you double down and learn a little bit more about this thing? You know, that's what Guy Swan said uh, a couple of episodes back. You know, he um, he did a similar thing, and he just had the stubbornness to double down and go and figure out this thing rather than lament the fact that he was a dummy um which is encouraging yeah it's just 
you've just got so much work to do at the beginning and you just need so much luck and so much perseverance to get through to the other side to get to, I guess, where we both are, you know, where you figured it out. Yeah, or right. you, you try and, you, you, yeah, you're figuring it out. I, I'm not sure I'll ever have it figured out. Constantly blows my mind every single That's day. True. So to that end, why do you think that you were, um, why do you think that you are open and able to discovering Bitcoin? Uh, definitely ignorance. So, yeah, it was that beginner's mind thing. Like I didn't have anything to relate this thing to. So I didn't know economics. Well, you know, now I know there's two economics or more types of economics. But back then I just thought of economics as equations and numbers and so just something that guy on the telly that. talks about it you know 20 past six yeah. on, a, on a monday night or something like for five seconds yeah. this is the economy it had no relation to reality yeah <laughs> yeah right exactly and then money I, I didn't know what money was i actually had a negative um thought, image of money i thought it was the problem mm-hmm and I didn't know there were multiple types. Again, you know, there's just one money that I used and it seems to be causing a lot of problems. So I don't really want to have that much to do with it. It's just a necessary evil. Yeah. Um, and then all the other things that are involved in Bitcoin, they're, they're all new to me as well, you know, like psychology of it all and... Um, yeah, I can't even think of all the things that it touches. But, yeah, I was, I was an ignoramus. I didn't know. It touches so, so many I, things, hey. Like, it just yeah. – it, 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 it's so funny. Funny, I don't know if it's funny. It's it's amazing. It's, like, incredible. It's bewildering just how many things this thing touches. You know, you can, you can come from so many different avenues, walks of life, and – bring it, it can re- help you reframe that passion project that subject that domain expertise that you may bring and um provided you're humble and and um show enough humility like you, you it actually can help you focus it in really tight concise ways um and you know similar sort of to you is I didn't have a lot of knowledge in and around this stuff. And again, probably thought that, you know, money was the problem. It's, it's funny that it sounds to me like your entire brain was getting defragged the more you're learning about this thing. And yet rather than run away, you kept going. Like everything that you came up against that you were learning about this thing, you didn't know about economics, money, all of the, the, you know, the psychological impacts, the sociological impacts, all of these things, a lot of people, and you see it on Twitter every day, will just shut it down because it doesn't align with what they have been told or taught or thought. Whereas the people that make it through that filter, yeah, there's something that compels them to keep going rather than just run away. It's cool. So do you, know, do you, do you have any idea what that might have been? Well, you just made me think. I, didn't, I also didn't have a stake in the, in the system. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was kind of 
I'd already decided that I wanted to have as little to do with it as I could. And I was looking for solutions to remove myself from it. And um, I had found some other things, but this looked like another opportunity. Um, well, I didn't really know what it was in the beginning. Like, I, I had been told it was the internet of money. And that made sense to me because the internet had worked, you know, like it, it has taken off. We, we're in hyper-internetization right now. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, having a, a currency for the internet, mm -hmm. it's just simple. That, that Anthony Antonopoulos is a genius, you know, like he, he just made it very simple for me to understand that, even though it wasn't the whole story. But, and, and that's all I knew for quite, you know, maybe two years. I didn't really go much further down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. um, that was enough for me. And it wasn't until COVID and all that mayhem that I, I took the next rung down and I, I started going deeper. Yeah, I mean, if you ever wanted an incentive to learn about freedom money and um, the ability to be sovereign and to transact with whomever you like anywhere in the world, authoritarian government actions and behaviors is a pretty damn good incentive <laughs> to learn about these things you know it was it was and it made it even more intense you know Not, i wasn't just going down the bitcoin rabbit hole but the world was going insane around me and actually bitcoin was what kept me sane it was something that i could hold on to and um focus my attention on and that's something hopeful that's cool yeah. that's really cool I dare say you're not alone in that too. Um, it's amazing again. I, yeah. I was just going to say it's amazing to me again that this protocol just is that anchor to people for people, you know, that North Star that they can just kind of tether themselves to and weather whatever storms swirling around them, you know, like and, and encouraging you to learn as well. Oh, yeah. And, and it it sort of teaches you the real problem um, because you can look past the authoritarianism. Well, I can now, and I can see there's deeper causes. Like um, it takes you outside the system to observe it rather than looking at all the problems from inside the system. That, that's a Jeff Booth thing, but mm -hmm, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a salient point, you know. Yeah, you, you can't. What does he say? Something like you can't measure the a system from within. You you have to kind of step outside of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's where people are stuck. They're looking at all the problems that the money, um, the fiat money has created, and they're looking for a solution inside of that framework so basically they just look to elect a new leader who can um, make more decisions to fix everything and they never do no. so bitcoin allowed me to see that well i guess i i used to think very um uh conspiratorial uh -huh. 
Like I had simplified it down in my head to be, they were just baddies and they were in control. Uh, sort of like a heuristic. It was, I didn't have to look much further. I could just blame them. Right. Um, but Big Bang has allowed me to see that we're, it's all just people acting on incentives. Hmm. And, um, yeah, that explains it a lot better. It's, it's more difficult. Like you've got to go, it's that first principles thinking. You've got to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of brain energy. So, yeah. Yeah, it helps you That's to rationalize the fact that, yeah, I mean, look, there's probably evil pricks out there and we know that there are. Like, um, what's that chick in Canada? Um, Trudeau's offsider. Like, <laughs> she said something the other day about um, savings and, and taking the savings of, of Canadians um, to sort of help. Preloaded stimulus. Preloaded. Yeah. What, was it, what was it? Preloaded. Stimulus. That's right. What a fucking evil and thing to say. she was asking for tips on how to spend other people's money. Yeah, she was crowdsourcing theft, ways of stealing people's yeah. like time and energy. Like, yeah, she she is she is evil, <laughs> yeah. um, for sure. But you see, th- there's always going to be people like that, mm-hmm. and um, it's the it's the system that allows them to gain power in the first place. Like. You know, Bitcoin fixes this. It's the cliche, but it that if Bitcoin forces them to do work in order to get you know money mm-hmm. rather than just stealing it. Um, there's no other way. But as it is, so, 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 sociopaths or psychopaths, uh, they they are allowed to do their dirty work. You know, it's they're, they're enabled by the system. Totally. They're allowed to flourish within it. No, always going to be that. Yeah. hundred percent. There's always going to be sociopaths, psychopaths, legitimate evil people. It's just that. So what, what can we do? Like we can't kill them all. Like I think when we're hunter gatherers, we would ostracize them, like kick them out, but we can't, there's nowhere to kick them out to. We just have to have a system that disempowers that kind of behavior. Totally. And, and, and that's, so that's, I guess, what clicked for you with regards to, or one of the things, shall we say, that clicked for you. Uh, um, you know, you mentioned you you sort of bought stocks, equities, things like this after 2008. Was that something that is in the back of your mind that may have, you know, started compelling you to ask certain questions about the world and how, how it's working and so on and so forth? Like, did you... Were you affected by any of that 2008 financial crash? I love that they call it the great financial crisis. It's not that great, to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't think it affected me, you know, like I just it was, I was just watching it happen. Mm-hmm. Like it, I didn't own property um, and where I lived is kind of sheltered from economic outside influences it's, uh, I, yeah it, you know it was a, it it was it, it's etched into my mind that, mm. that it happened and and it was disastrous for people around the world but i i didn't feel it that, that way it, it was more like an opportunity for me to like the price of everything came down so i could get in right on blood on the street I didn't really, yeah i didn't really capture any value from it in the end because 
I sort of, yeah, I, I didn't want to, um, like I was always a saver. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I never was leveraged in the first place. So it didn't make, like I, I never bought a house because it didn't make sense that much interest to pay. Like it, it looked like I was buying myself a house and the bank a house. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. So I, I never bought a loan. Like now I can look back and it was a bad decision because that that's how you get ahead in the VR world is you go into as much debt as you can. Um, yeah, and you do a speculative attack on the money because it's always inflating. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't know that before. No, it, it just made sense that you would um, make money by saving it if you just like I, I now I know that's called long uh, what is it short no um, what's the time preference yeah like a high or low time preference called, yeah it's called low time preference but mm-hmm. yeah you're kind of you're not rewarded for having one if you you're saving money not in fiat no sir. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we're all told, you know, from the time we're little kids, got to save, put some money away for a rainy day, all this sort of stuff. I don't know about you, but I got a dollar mart account and, um, for the international listeners out there, that's like a little, like a, one of the biggest banks in Australia, you know, and, and we got issued these little yellow wallets and once a week you'd bring two, three bucks in or something like that, chuck it into an account and that was your savings, you know. It was teaching you how to save. Yeah. And um, they didn't teach us anything about uh, inflation and, um, and particularly when interest rates are below inflation or, um, you know, the fact that they bank charges fees and all of these different things. It's, um, it's nuts, man. But you're told that savings is a good thing. And then you grow yeah. up and you're like, oh, yeah, look, just go into heaps of debt, to be honest. Like, just get into heaps of debt and, um, and don't worry about it, you know. Just as long as you stay solvent, keep the cash flow coming in. Um, yeah, but otherwise, I mean, it is exactly what, how you put it. You, you're buying yourself a house. You, you're, buying your, you're helping the bank buy the house so that you can live in it, really. That's... That's all. Like a, a mortgage is just that. It's it's oh. a giant scam. I'm sorry. The more you look into it, the worse it gets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the money they gave you to buy the house didn't exist in the first place. That's the thing it that blows my typing. mind. Yeah. They just type yeah. it into a computer, and it now exists. Now, you know. I remember getting yeah. a, uh, like a, a car loan, and I was like real in my early twenties, and um, and like. Just just watching that whole process unfold and just how easy it was and um, and then having this albatross around my neck and it wasn't that bad. It was, you know, it was, it was car payments, but just, just the mere fact that you had this direct debit coming out once a fortnight, once a month, whatever it was, it's just, it was just a ball ache, man. And I just, just yeah. turned me off it, you know. It, it's the hamster wheel. That, it's a trap. You get locked in there, lashed to it, and you got to make it spin. And there's no way to get off. And I think I could sense that. So I didn't mm-hmm. go into debt at all. I didn't even have a credit card. I never never really have. Yeah, right. Except when I went traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Just for ease of I just exchange. 
yeah, I've always operated in the black, I think it is, you know, like positive mm -hmm. um, economics. It didn't make sense to go into debt. Yeah, and, and, and you're effectively punished for that too, yeah. like being in the black. You, you could argue, you could actually make a case that given the fact that you don't have debt, you're probably wealthier technically than any other person around you and your family or something like that, friends, family. Uh, presuming, of course, that they're all in debt. But, you know, if you aren't in debt, you're effectively more wealthy than anyone that isn't in debt and yet you're at a net disadvantage in the system as it currently stands because that's not how you play that game. Well, you need the game is to get assets, isn't it? That's yeah. that's how you store your wealth. So, if you don't go into debt, you can't afford the overinflated house price. So you're stuck in in money or you, the stock market or something. So that's how the cantillionaires do it. They they get the money first, and then they buy things that can't be printed. Think like stores of value property and then that goes up in value as the money becomes more worthless so it's the poor people who can't afford assets that are just losing all the time mm -hmm. and i never had assets i i just operated with cash in the black and i didn't really want anything i i sort of i spent my money on traveling just experiences that's cool yeah. Because those are the things that are actually valuable and scarce and timeless. And we are talking about time right at the top yeah. of the interview and it's like you can't get those things. You can't replicate them. You, you can't buy them again, you know. Um, no amount of money ever bought a minute of time. No. And, and those memories are just, they're priceless. Like I can just sit back and and remember my what, you know, traveling around the world and all those images and experiences, you know. And learning and, and the amount of learning you would have, you know, gone on as well, like infinitely more valuable than any kind of credential degree you could get nowadays um, unless it's engineering or something. Uh, <laughs> but if you're in the liberal arts side like I am, I mean, you know, it's just trash. Might as well just go, yeah, go traveling. Um, what have you learned about the world and I guess more importantly yourself since discovering Bitcoin? Mm. I think I've learned, well, I think I have a more accurate picture of how things actually are now. So it, it's informed me. I'm much more informed about what's going on than I was before. Like I said, I I was I was using heuristics, amplifications of how things are in my head, and Bitcoin showed me that there's more. You know, there's, there's a more complex answer to how things are. Um, and yeah, I'm still searching for the truth. You know, I'm not there yet, but Bitcoin's been a big sort of key to unlock all those things I was missing, all those pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. well, not, it's not just Bitcoin, it's Bitcoiners, really. They, they have the knowledge. You know, Bitcoin's just a 
Bitcoin is a um, online database. Yeah. But it's all the people that coalesce around it and they, they just, sh you know, share their, like you are, you know, you're just putting your finite time into this educational podcast, you know, and so I can sit back and listen to smart people talk and, and that's what, that's how I learn from, and from listening to conversations, you know, so it's invaluable. Such a great point um, that it's the people coalescing around Bitcoin that are providing the value um, and I often conflate the two far too frequently with regards to, oh, it's just this protocol, man, but it just like enables you to do all of these things or think about all these things. It's like, well, as you just said, no, nah, it's the people um, yeah. around it. And I think because fiat is such a shitty system, you can easily conflate, or at least I do and have been guilty in the past of conflating the shitty fiat system with shitty fiat people, you know, and therefore applying that label to everything and then wanting it to just be this neutral thing, like this neutral protocol. So it's like, that's the thing that's doing it. But no, it's, it's, it's human beings acting in and around this, yeah, as you say, like this online database, this ledger and the, the information, the insight, the, uh, value that they're bringing, you know, to to this that we can all just learn from. Totally, and it, it shows up the scammers. Like after a while, you can tell if someone is genuine or it's because I think I think of Bitcoin as this immovable object that you come up against, and so you can see if if someone's trying to change it. Like they're not humble in front of this obelisk that is Bitcoin. Mm. Um, like you have to mold yourself around. It's like you put a big rock into a stream and the water has to, it can't go through where it was going through before. It's got to go around and conform to the rock. And I think Bitcoin is that rock. And, mm. and it, yeah, so people who can't, you know, like Elon Musk, for example, he couldn't conform to it. He bounced off the thing. That's the way I see it anyway. Like, he, you know, people people try to change it and don't accept the rules and just let Bitcoin change them. I think that, and, and that shows up in the, the type of people that you come across in Bitcoin. Well, you said you didn't know. have like a stake in the old system, so you were probably primed a little bit more than others, say, that do or did or whatever um, to discover this thing to learn about it but then you didn't have any real prior knowledge with regards to some of the core subjects that bitcoin anchors to money economics etc and so you're bringing this beginner's mind and this curiosity to this thing and you found yourself being the water and looking to flow around this thing to understand it so that you can keep going you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Are you the type of person that gets obsessed with things? Do you get, if you find something you're interested in, do you just obsess over it? Or uh, I don't know if that's a common Bitcoiners. You'd have to ask my father, but uh, he'd probably tell you yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
you go through these little phases. And like, uh, that is actually a thing that I constantly think about. Well, I don't even constantly think, I think about it from time to time where it's like, oh, is this just another one of, one of my obsessions and it'll just pass, you know, in the fullness of time sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it doesn't seem to have waned if it's only intensified as time gone, has yeah. gone on. Yeah, man, that resonates with me. That's the same. I used to jump from thing to thing mm-hmm. and get totally obsessed and everything else would just disappear, just this one focus. And then Bitcoin became that. But this is different. Like it's not leaving. It's just getting, it's just opening up wider mm. the further I go. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, are you, depending on how you frame it, I think that's a superpower. When you get obsessive about something, I mean, you've got to tame it. You've got to temper it. You know, you can be a obsessive about something and turn into a sociopath and then a stalker and then, you know, <laughs> all sorts of gnarly shit can, can unfold. But, um, yeah. you know, if it's benign subjects like music, for instance, or movies or um, something else within the culture or, you know, space or time or, you know, anything that kind of piques your curiosity I think is a superpower to allow yourself the time and energy to really dive deep into this thing that you're obsessed with um, because it's like an insatiable curiosity you know you just want to you just want to yeah indulge in it for as long as you possibly can until you think you've exhausted it, I guess, or context change, environments change and you just move on to the, to a new thing. But each time you're assimilating it into the next thing. It's not like you just leave it at the door and keep going and never think about it again. It just becomes a part of you and you bring it through and then you can, you can assimilate it into new things that you learn as well, which is cool. Exactly. Like there are, there are other things that are adjacent to Bitcoin. So you don't actually, because Bitcoin encompasses everything, you don't actually have to leave it. You, you can incorporate the other things into the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And Bitcoin becomes the arbiter of what's important. Like I've begun to label things as either Bitcoin type things or shitcoin type things. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, like, it's like Bitcoin has become my unit of account for ideas. For sure. It, it, it's crazy. I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I've gone into, you know, you, you sort of cart around Saifedean's head, uh, voice in your head when, when going to, say, the supermarket to do something, whatever, and, you know, you try never to go to the shops hungry so that you don't buy bullshit. Um, and every now and again you find yourself, oh, maybe I should get that just while I'm getting these groceries, whatever, and then you have Saif's voice in your head going, that's a shit coin, like think of the opportunity yeah. cost or whatever, you know, it's like, it's a, uh, it's a net benefit. Um, yeah, you, you bring things, you bring things from the past and you assimilate them into the thing. And the cool thing about Bitcoin is that it, it assimilates these things so well, you know, uh, for a time there, I was obsessed with Bill Hicks, uh, the comedian. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's one of the greatest yeah. comedians of all time. And I used to just, absorb his stuff so much and then 
the other night I remember thinking a line of his about um, it's it's time to evolve, and I was like, oh, that'd be cool as like a like some sort of Bitcoin meme where you could. You know, because he, he talks about how institutions, everything's fucked up because the institutions we've all known are no longer relevant. And he makes this awesome joke about it. And um, I was like, oh, that'd work really cool within a Bitcoin context because this is what it's doing. It's shaking up all of these institutions. They are no longer relevant. And whereas mm. when he was talking about it, there wasn't a bridge away from the institutions that were crumbling per se and now there is, you know, that's, that's what I find cool. Totally, man. Yeah. So in terms of getting obsessed by things, have you think, do you think that you've sort of, do you now just filter those new obsessions through the Bitcoin lens or do you use it to guide you to find other obsessions or like how are you sort of navigating the world now? Yeah, I think both. Like, for something to be classified as a, as Bitcoin-like, it has to um, sort of pass the truth test. Um, so you have to actually try it out. Like, say if it's if we're talking about food, you've got to actually eat that type of food and see what the truth is in your body. Like. Hmm. So, you know, carnivore is very popular in Bitcoin. And it's not because we do, it's not just an ideology. It's actually people eating meat and feeling better, you know. So, therefore, meat becomes a Bitcoin. It's, it's something that actually works, you know. It, it's, <laughs> it's the laws of physics or, or, you know, it's the path dependence of our history that that's what we always ate. So, that's what our bodies expect. <laughs> and because Bitcoin is just pure mathematics, it's just truth. So it, I'm looking for other things which are Bitcoin-like things. And if it's not, it gets rejected and it's, it's a shitcoin then. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about things that are a little bit more subjective, like, say, music, for instance? Um, I think you could make a case, uh, or at least I could make a case, that there is an objectively good song in whatever genre you want to choose. It could be like the, the shittiest genre you could think of, like K-pop, for instance. But I'm sure that if someone showed me a decent composition that had all the right components, I could recognize it for its quality, you know, and say, okay, that's all right. But subjectively, it's probably garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you'd categorize. I, I guess you'd have to say that music is actually a Bitcoin. Like it's it's something that, um, yeah, it's just making sounds, you know, and it's, it's, I guess that's subjective, isn't it? There's no way to to test that out. So I, I guess you, you can have personal Bitcoins and mm -hmm. personal shitcoins. Like there True. could be a type of music that you hate and you could just say, oh, that's a Cardano or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean you you get tripped up on the like the i guess the subjectivity there but um for things that are nature born like you're saying about food i mean there's not a heck of a lot of difference between us all around the world and we all kind of evolved 
along very, 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 very similar lines. And so I find that a lot of those things, I think that what you're getting at is that they're intuitive. So mm. you may not have thought about them because uh, you're, you're before, you know, you're, you're thinking second and third orders down stream, but when someone presents it to you from first principles and it's, it becomes intuitive and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. For instance, carnivore diet or, you know, Dr. Jack Cruz is going on about um, heliotherapy and light and um, mm. UV spectrums and stuff like that. And, you know, at first you think, what, that sounds insane. And then the more you think about it and the more he explains it, becomes intuitive. If you allow yourself to defrag your brain and, and leave your um, leave your presuppositions, I guess, at the door, I guess, you know, similar to Bitcoin. Mm. If you just you, you, you humble yourself before whatever the subject is, at least entertain it for a little time, not dismissing yeah. it out of hand straight away. And I guess not everything's on the scale of Bitcoin as, as well. So your example of music, like maybe it's not going to change your life if you change the type of music you listen to. But if you change your diet from an unhealthy one to a healthy one, it's sort of like a, a change on the magnitude of what Bitcoin does for you. Mm. So they're the kind of exclamation point things that you start looking for. Like what else is going to give me... Um, so you know like a 10x change for the positive yep um in my life like an access to the truth yeah yeah well then to that end how has discovering bitcoin changed you i don't know so, because i was always a saver before so I can't actually think. And, and I find that the change, I think the changes that I've been through are so complete that I can't actually remember what they are. Mm -hmm. Because when, I, when you invited me on your podcast, it put me into some kind of introspection mode. And I've been looking back on the last four years since I've been in Bitcoin. And it's all distorted, you know, like before I sort of penetrated the past, I felt like I was always a Bitcoiner. And then when I actually looked at it, looked at the, the dates, I really only, it's only been a couple of years that like there were two years, okay, I've been in four years, but there were two years where I wasn't really, didn't really understand anything. And then two really intense years of, going down the rabbit hole, but it feels like I've always been like this, you know? So it, I think the type of change that Bitcoin does to you can be so complete that you, you just can't put into words what, what it's done. Hmm. Yeah, I feel it's that. It's just a total perspective change. It's almost like it. it's validated a lot of the things that you were thinking about prior um, or at least enabled you to focus them up a little bit more sharply. Like you were mentioning before how you would just use heuristics 
Like everyone's a cons- mm. like that, that. It's a conspiracy that these guys are pricks and they want to rule the world and they want to do this, that, and the other. And I mean, you know, it's kind of true, but like <laughs> it enables you to then rationalize and justify that labeling. Um, well, you what know. I, yeah, I think it's. I'm really digging Jeff Booth stuff. And, right, and he's like, because well, I think before I was thinking from inside the system, so all of the problems seemed like um, things you could fix, but you can't fix them because they all come from the money that steals from you. So, Bitcoin change the way Bitcoin changed me is it. It took me out of that system, and I can see all the problems as existing inside the system now. It's a total revolution in thought, and um, it's hard to go back. Like I'm still, I'm still in the system. I haven't fully escaped yet, but thanks to Bitcoin, I'm starting to think outside of it and and see it from the outside. And all those things like that they tell you that all these catastrophic like viruses and climate change and all this stuff. It's, it's all caused by having to keep the Ponzi going, you know. It's all they're all problems of the system. And you can't change you can't fix them from inside the system. We've got to change systems. Mm-hmm. And and you've got to adopt the Bitcoin operating system. We we all do. Otherwise we're gonna head into a gulag. We're heading towards a hard fork. And not everyone's gonna choose Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not even going to actually know gonna... that they are choosing. They're just going to go along to get along, same as what they did in the last <laughs> yeah. few years. And uh, that's when the stove gets real hot, you know. Have you ever seen a documentary called Hypernormalization? No. Adam Curtis. Um, highly recommended. I'll send it to you after after we get off air. But um, for anyone listening, you know, it's effectively a documentary about the illusion of reality and how in Soviet Russia they used to screw around with people's perceptions of reality by saying one thing, doing another, doing one thing, saying another from day to day to the point where people would just be so beaten down and disorientated, they just become nihilistic and give up, you know, and then you've got them. You can do what you want, um, and that's kind of the breeding ground for for um, a lot of totalitarianism, authoritarianism, um, and just basic taking advantage of of individuals. You know, um, but he's got a couple of other documentaries which I would I would um, recommend you anyone really listening diving deep into because he's um, you mentioned before like how you were kind of always a Bitcoiner, but you didn't know about Bitcoin. And um, a lot of these sort of documentaries actually touch on a lot of the stuff that I think Bitcoiners um, think about, discuss, um, ponder. And um, the difference being that there's actually now an actionable thing we can do to opt out, to see from outside of the system, you know, this bridge, as Jeff Booth calls it, 
to cross. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is that's the hopeful, encouraging part about all of these sorts of conversations. You know, it's all based on the premise that provided we're willing to put in the work and the time to do the work, the energy to do the work, um, we can establish this, I guess, parallel system that becomes so compelling for someone who's stuck on the other side that they just want to stick their head in and see what's going on. It's like John Vallis back on episode eight, I think it was, talked about being an impressive person such that anyone around you is willing to at least consider what it is that you're talking about because the things that you're doing seem to be working for you and the things that they're doing aren't working for them. And if they're conscious enough, they can look outside themselves, look at what you're doing and be like, Oh, maybe I should at least go and ask them some questions, you know? Yeah. But I think people are so stuck because they, the way this, well, I call it the fear matrix because it, it seems to be designed to trap you in there and you, the measuring stick, so that let's say the US dollar is what everyone uses to measure everything by. And that's the problem because they, they can change the length of the stick, the measuring stick. So people can't see the problem. Um, and that's, that's the tough bit to get. That's, that's why it's so difficult to find Bitcoin and, and to get out, I think, because it's sort of, I don't know if it's built like a trap on purpose or if it's just, it just happened that way, but yeah. I think it's just like one of those centralizing forces and then the incentives coalesce to reinforce the centralizing force to the point where, you know, um, your time and energy begins to be eroded at such a rate that you can't actually expend any extra time or energy to think about these things even any more, any more than, you know, because we've all got rocks every day we wake up, we're all carrying around a bag of rocks and then trying to unload a few and some prick comes and loads a couple more on you and, you know, you, you've got other things to deal with, family and so on and so forth and, you know, unless you have that stubbornness of mind to put the time and energy in, you're probably just going to go along to get along, you know. And that's yeah. actually not a problem for the most part, except when it's leveraged by authoritarian governments to prevent you from going into a restaurant to eat a meal, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> like that's when it becomes pure evil. And it's, it's not even like these people are aware that that's what they're doing. They, they're going along to get along is, is like literally the banality of evil, as they call it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when you have, um, you know, this thing, Bitcoin, it's like a shield. 
to help you sort of deflect a lot of that bullshit and be like, ah, oh, well, okay. And you, you want to encourage those people across the bridge as often as you can, no doubt about it. You know, oh, even yeah. even if they are, you know, mindless NPC automatons, um, we still need them. We, we we need that division of labor to be the scale. But yeah, you just need to have an anchoring decentralized force in the middle that actually incentivizes the complete opposite to what we have at the minute, which is that centralizing force. Totally. Yeah. And Bitcoin breaks breaks their system just by existing. Right. It's like you can't have when all the banks are insolvent, you can't have a solvent bank because everyone will go to it. Right on. And now there's a solvent bank that they can't turn off <laughs> and doesn't need their to exist. So Bitcoin, I like to think it of as Bitcoin has ripped a hole in the fiat matrix fabric. You know, it's just there's a hole there now, and and the the fiat matrix is losing um, energy because it's Bitcoin's punctured it. You mm-hmm. know, like right it's on. just inevitable. And nature abhors a vacuum, so everything just rushes. Yeah, rushes into <laughs> where Bitcoin is. Slowly, gradually, yeah. then suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> how, do, how do you explain Bitcoin to people? How do you uh, how do you go about it if you're trying to orange pill someone, or do you even bother? I don't know. Oh yeah, like during the bull market. But you, when I went through my, well, I've only been through one bull market, but you get you're excited, you know, and you want to. Um, red pull, uh, orange pill, everybody that you come across, you know, and you're not, you don't, you're not doing it in a clever way. You're just sort of blurting all this shit out, mm-hmm. and you know, you might force pill some people, and they'll just buy it because you said, um, and then they've bought the top, you know. But yeah, so I've calmed down a lot now. <laughs> I think the cycles temper you. You know, you know the concept of tempering. Um, when you're making a knife or a sword, you you heat it up and then cool it down, mm-hmm. and it and then it can hold an edge. I think that was that's what the cycles are doing to Bitcoiners. That's cool. And a metal with another metal that protects it. So we, Bitcoin, we we coded. Well, we've got the, like the Bitcoin impenetrable force field as a galvanizing agent over us, and we're being tempered every four years as the price goes up, it heats us up, and then we get cooled right down, and then we can hold an edge now. Hmm. And I'm I'm excited to see what happens when you get tempered a few times. You know, like I've only seen it once, but what happens when you've been tempered, like? Some Bitcoiners may have been tempered four times by now, or three—is it three times or four times? Oh, off the top Going of my head, to the- four times, yeah, at least. So yeah, they're they're sharper than the others, you know. Like they can hold an edge, and and you know, like you are you are stronger because it comes to a point with nothing's going to get your your um Bitcoin out of your hardware wallet, you know. Like no scam works anymore because you're galvanized and you're tempered. That's such a cool metaphor, man. I got a couple of knife making buddies around me 
And um, I never thought of it like that. But that's 100%. It's a very, yeah. very cool analogy. To go back to that question, like, are you explaining? Because, I mean, you, everyone just blurts out think boy world sa- word salads, <laughs> you know, when they're trying. So when they're so excited about Bitcoin, and they just want to, you know, tell everyone that they meet. You know, it's it's completely normal. Um, I think the longer you're in this thing, as you know, you, as you said, you calm down. You're like, all right, just let them come to me. But um, if 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 I said to you, hey man, listen, I know you're a little bit in, in Bitcoin now. Like, can you just exp- give me the 101 skinny? How do you explain it? How do you, what what what's the go? What's the elevator pitch? What I figured out is that if they don't understand the problem, then they they can't understand that there's a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. So I would I wouldn't even start explaining Bitcoin. I'd just start trying to explain the problem to them and get get them through that first. That's that's hard enough to understand. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, discover what their problems are and. Yeah. Then incept Bitcoin at a later date. Yeah, or just just number go up. Like everyone, it's all incentives, you know. Like that's how it got me. So maybe, like I just think you could just do a a Jedi mind trick, like done on me. Like, oh, I wish I had brought Bitcoin. It looked like <laughs> it went up a lot. Like sort of reverse psychology or something, you know. Maybe they were playing four D chess. Maybe they yeah, have exactly. like a shit ton of Bitcoin and they just didn't want to let you know, but they'll just like lament, oh, I'll just fake him out and be like, yeah, damn, I wish I bought some, hey. <laughs> Maybe they're like the, the master orange pillars and they've got it down so so good that they just have to say a few words and then you're done. Well, it worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It worked. It worked a charm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Atlas, um, I gotta, I gotta, I can't leave the convo with, without bringing up your name. Um, you know, you've got Atlas Hoddled, which is obviously a reference to Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Had you read Rand prior to discovering Bitcoin? Oh no, definitely not. Right. I think it was Svetsky that was talking about it, and yeah, I mean, Bitcoin. Uh, have you read it? Have you read Atlas Shrugged? Man, I've tried. Like, it's a big book. I, I'm not scared of big books, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, pages and words and ink dedicated to descriptions of like pretty tedious things. Um, I, I should I should commit, you know, and one day I will. Um, I have. <laughs> I'll say this. I've got the whole set of Tuttle Twins, uh, which is like a um, a children's book series about, um, I guess, libertarian principles and um, sort of um, freedom orientated thinkers that they sort of, you know, re- repackage for an eight year old's mind or something like that. But there is um, there is a version of Atlas Shrugged in the Tuttle Twins series, um, and I, ha- I I I I do remember you sort of the whole point of this, this pod and even just before we were mentioning at the top of the conversation in regards to 
meeting this thing, Bitcoin, and not being scared of it, but actually wanting to learn about it, you know? And um, there is a quote in that book, in Atlas Shrug, that um, she says, she writes like, uh, if you don't know the thing to, to do, if you don't know the thing to do is to not get scared, but to learn. Right. You know, um, that's a roundabout way of saying no, I haven't read it, but um, I should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, it's a Bitcoin book because uh, it's basically about accelerationism. So basically, the productive class, you, you don't mind me spoiling it for Go you. Go for it, man. All right. So the productive class withdraw their energy from society and just let it collapse, basically. And they all go to Galt's Gulch. So mm -hmm. there's a famous line, who is John Galt? And it, he's the guy who's taking all the productive people away. And basically, yeah, in my mind, Galt's Gulch is Bitcoin. So we're all withdrawing our energy from the system um, into Bitcoin and we're just going to let the system collapse. Well, we're protected from it, you know. Mm -hmm. We're away in a hidden valley um, and can just watch it all happen. Yeah, right. Interesting. Trains and things just derail and everything just stops working, right? Kind oh, yeah. Of, kind of like what we see now. I think I read the other day that there's like an entire payload of ammonium nitrate just disappeared and they don't know where it is. And it's like, oh, that's just gone now. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, totally. All the factory yeah. fires and train derailments and, and things that are literally happening as we as we speak. Well, that's what happens as you read the book. You look you look around you, and it's like, oh, this is not a this is a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to dedicate some time to um, to reading that book. I um. I feel like there's, yeah, it's calling me, but uh, I'm just, uh, man, there's a lot of books open on my desk at the minute, you know. <laughs> yes, that time thing, it's, um, you've got to economize. It's. Do you know what I mean? The, Unless we, you're Keynes, and then you could just like, like print oh, it yeah. all and then die. Because in the long run, who gives yeah. a shit, right? I said, I've got so many books I want to read, but which one do I choose on the margin? Which one do I tackle now? Mm. And there's probably books that I should be reading again before I read something else. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That's the opportunity cost writ large right there. That's it. Especially when you've read the book and you think, I think I got it, but I might just read it again. But I'm not going to because I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get on that. But, get and online. We've got, we've got um, so much information available to us. Like, I just recently got a Kindle, mm -hmm. and I sort of I had been collecting books on my phone, but I wasn't reading them because it, it's too difficult on mm -hmm. the little screen. And the Kindle's changed. Like the Kindle is a Bitcoin because it's changed my life. Basically, I'm now able to read all the books I want to read, but I don't have to have a, a bookshelf full of them. So 
it's a bit like you know how gold was good at storing value through time and fiat is good at um sending value across space uh the kindles like that it it's sort of it fixes the physical book and it fixes the book on the computer and it turns the digital book into a book like thing without taking up all the space yeah i have a kindle i do um use it from time to time if if i'm particularly if i'm impatient you know and i want to read a, a book or something like that straight away i always am mindful of the opsec you know if um jeff bezos has got like this account that keeps downloading these sort of libertarian essays and other sorts of things yeah. like that um you know you just send that off to the government and be like well here's here's another one add it to your list um, maybe I shouldn't be so oh, egotistical. They probably couldn't give a shit. But my point is, is that uh, I, I like physical copies of books. But yeah, it it's a game changer when when you're um, you got a stack to get through, and particularly because you can highlight and make notes and such. You know, that's really handy. Yeah. Yeah, and you can carry it everywhere. You know, it's portable. Totally. Yeah. Transports books through time and space maybe maybe i can get atlas shrugged on the kindle and that way it's not going to take up a chunk of change on on my bookshelf and um i can get through it at my leisure pick it up put it down whenever it speaks to me yeah do you know about um library genesis the website i think i do is it spelled with a y uh yeah library Genesis. Oh, yeah, no, Genesis. No, okay. That might not be the one oh. I'm thinking of. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, basically it's got most of the books in the world on it hmm. and you just download them in EPUB format and send them to your Kindle. Cool. So if you don't mind, you know, I paid for Saferdeen's book, but some books you don't want to pay for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if I could send them some lightning as a tip or a donation. Exactly. Uh, you know, I'd do that. I'm uh, yeah. I'm learning new things here. This is like Pirate Bay, but for books. This is cool. Yeah, yeah. Gnarly. I did not know about that. There you go. I'm discovering Library Genesis on Discovering Bitcoin. Yeah, the marginal cost of books is falling to the cost of production, which is zero. Don't I know all about that? <laughs> That's another conversation <laughs> for another time. Atlas, this has been an awesome little rip, man. I um, I'm I'm so pleased you you've reached out. For for listeners that don't know, like I started this pod just for purely, obviously, self interest, self you know, selfish reasons. Um, but with an intent to, I guess, share other people's stories of discovering Bitcoin such that if you're listening to it, it can encourage you to either get close to the rabbit hole, jump down the rabbit hole or continue going through the rabbit hole. And you reached out in a DM just to say, you know, cheers for the pod, appreciate what you're doing. And that effectively justified the entire, you know, um, existence of the podcast just then and there in that little DM. And that was, that was really fucking awesome, man. So thank you for sending that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that we got to connect and, you know, I remember you were a bit hesitant when I said, look, come on the pod, man. But 
you gave us some thought and we're like, oh, it's just anyone who's discovered Bitcoin is welcome. Yeah. You don't have to be a you don't have to be anyone and no one. You just be a person who's just discovered Bitcoin. And that's the whole beauty of this pod is just to get the most random people telling us their story. Yeah, well, you know, plebs like to hear the stories of plebs. So, yeah, thank you for just the. I like I like the format of your podcast. You know, it's high signal, not a lot of noise. Like, it just cuts through. It's it's like being at a Bitcoin meetup. You know, <laughs> it's it's like sitting in one of those Bitcoin conversations you have. And yeah, like I don't think you necessarily need to get big names on your podcast. I think you need to get just people's stories, man, the everyday person. I think that's what's interesting. That's the move. All right. No point taken. Yeah, awesome, Atlas. Thank you, man. I um, I appreciate you spending your scarce time, finite energy, telling us how you discovered Bitcoin. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Oh, my God.